Hey everybody. I just had a couple things I wanted to mention before this week's episode. Um, first off, I want to thank you guys all for listening. The show has been awesome to make and I really appreciate all you guys. Second, uh, I wanted to let you know that after this week's episode, we're actually going to take a short break from the show. So we'll go ahead and just call this the uh, mid-season finale, I guess. We will be back on October 4th, so stay tuned. So yeah, thanks again everybody, and I hope you have a great September. The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 23. She dropped as softly as a star. June 2002. Sam excused himself to deal with some customers, and I went back to sit at the booth where I had magically materialized moments earlier. You think about this kind of thing when you're a kid. You wonder what sort of superpower you might have if you were ever lucky enough to get one. But no one ever does. No one except me, apparently. And even so, I was pretty sure I didn't want it. It didn't feel like power. It felt like something had power over me. Whatever just happened was totally out of my control, and I didn't want any more major elements of my life to be out of my control. There was enough of that already. Sam disappeared behind the counter and returned a few minutes later with two tall to-go cups brimming with coffee and foam. It sloshed over the side a little, and I felt like that coffee. I felt like I might just slosh over the side and drip down to Rome or Japan or somewhere else. Somewhere like Milwaukee or the back of my aunt's trailer. What would I do if that happened? What would I do if I couldn't speak the language? What if I wound up somewhere I couldn't escape? My mind was tumbling over itself, yo-yoing between panic and legitimate questions about how all of this might end up working out. Did you hear me? Sam asked. He had bent down so he could look me squarely in the eye, and I suddenly felt like a little kid. I had sort of heard him speak, but I had no idea what he said. No, I replied. I said you should go home and get dressed and we should leave early, he said. What about your customers? He gestured to the room. What customers? I already got rid of them. I blinked. He was right. All of the other people were gone. Had I really missed him going around and kicking out the whole crew? I really was out of it. I took a sip of coffee, trying to force my brain to recalibrate. To actually think and plan instead of just react. We've got classes, I said, and I don't want to explain why we're not going to be there. You really want to go sit in class for three hours after what just happened? I looked at him, studied him across the table while he studied me right back. It all just boils down to this. Every relationship in the world boils down to a simple question. Do I trust you? 
If the answer is yes, then there's little that we can't be. We can be friends, we can be family or co-workers or in love. But if the answer is no, then I'm not sure if anything else really matters. I can live with someone without trusting them, but how long can that really last? Not long, I don't think. But Sam was different. I had trusted Sam from the moment I met him, and nothing had happened to change my mind. He had kept my secrets, even when I didn't understand why. He wasn't afraid of me, even though he wasn't exactly sure what I could do. He was closing down his business to go to Seattle with me because my brain was misfiring and he wanted to help. On one hand, it was a small thing, but no one else had ever done anything like that. Finally, I nodded. Yeah, let's go. I don't think I can do the school thing today. We stopped at the apartment so I could get my stupid coat and my stupid wallet and my stupid phone that I left on the stupid nightstand because I hadn't intended to teleport to an ice cream shop before breakfast. Lana was still asleep with her door solidly shut, so there was no need to explain anything to her until much later. The thought had crossed my mind that maybe I should wake her up and see if she wanted to carpool with us. I didn't. I added that to the ever-growing pile of things I would have to explain later, but wasn't going to deal with right now. I grabbed a jacket that wasn't an ice cream hoodie, remembering just in time that I was meeting Sam's family today and I didn't want to show up looking like a walking advertisement, even if it happened to be a walking advertisement for his ice cream shop. When I finally got back to the car... Sam was listening to some kind of horrible sitcom theme song compilation on a pirate CD. I switched it off as soon as I climbed into the passenger seat. You can't do that, he said. Says who? I pulled a small bag of bacon out of my large hoodie pocket. I dropped it on the console between us. Never mind, you can do what you want, he said. And I felt happy. It wasn't particularly reasonable. It had already been a long morning, and this trip was only happening because something weird had happened to me, and we were trying to pretend it wasn't that weird. But there was a bag of bacon between us, and I guess that must count for something. Sam's car had a mildly musty smell, though I thought it smelled more like the ocean than mold or mildew. I closed the door behind me, but cracked the window immediately. Should we be bringing Lana with us? I couldn't quite shake the thought. No, she's got classes, Sam said. I settled into my seat and reached for a slice of cold bacon. Where are we going first? I asked. I had already done the math. Logan's graduation party didn't start until 3 o'clock, and it would only take us four hours to get there. We were quite a bit ahead of schedule, and we would definitely have some time to kill once we got to Seattle. Don't know, he said. I just thought we should get out of here. He shook his head and backed slowly out of the apartment parking space. I just feel like I need to see something different, you know? Something that's not ocean. Neither one of us really said anything for the next few miles. We turned onto the highway, and I rolled down my window further as we entered the never-ending forest overlooking the ocean. 
The road twisted around, cutting sharply in and out of trees, occasionally gifting us with a vast view of the sandy gray hillsides and mist-wrapped coves. I love that the mist hangs over the coast, even in the summer. Finally, Sam turned to look at me. He had been kind of half looking at me for the last few minutes, sneaking glances in between the winding turns of the Washington Highway. Do you want to stop by your mom's restaurant? He asked. Wouldn't mind grabbing a nice spaghetti calamari. Really? I said. Spider legs with red sauce is your pasta of choice? Look, I grew up with Italian food. Spaghetti calamari is no one's favorite. At least it isn't mine. So I've got weird tastes. Sue me, he said. Spider legs, I repeated. And no, I'm not really dying to visit the restaurant. Sam didn't say anything, but I could tell he was curious why. And so I decided to tell him. Look, when I was a kid, my older sister started seeing things, I said. The moment I said it, I knew I couldn't go back. I knew I couldn't just say something like that and then slip back into comfortable silence. What happened to June had changed everything, and I guess it was about to change the course of this conversation, too. Sam glanced over at me, not giving me a ton to work with emotionally. I couldn't tell what he was thinking. Maybe he wasn't thinking anything at all yet. I hadn't really given him any actual information, after all. What did she see? He finally asked. He probably thought that it was going to be related to the monsters, but it wasn't. That would have been far too neat of a little bow to wrap this thing up in. She started seeing ghosts, I said. Maybe that was an oversimplification. She had started seeing things in her window, shapes in the shower fog and footprints that disappeared as soon as she looked away but I felt like simply calling them ghosts was the sort of simplification that this moment needed. Sam glanced at me like he was trying to figure out how he should respond. So what happened? He asked. My mom was worried about her, I said, which is understandable, we all were. He nodded. Yeah, I mean, I would probably be worried. To be honest, I'm kind of worried about us. We seem kind of crazy. He meant it as a joke, of course, and I chuckled like I thought it was funny. I couldn't quite get there, though. What happened to June wasn't funny, and I was starting to worry that what was happening to us wasn't funny either. So your mom, Sam prompted. My mom made the mistake of telling my grandparents, I said. They convinced her to send June away. They were scared, scared that she was seeing things, scared that she might not be seeing things, that there might be something real in the house. They didn't say that part, but I could tell. I could tell from the way they, you know, left a couple lights on after dark, right? But they sent her away anyway. Man, Sam said. Yeah. She stayed at the facility for a couple months, and when she came back, it was only for the summer. She got out of my mom's house as soon as she turned 18. Never looked back. 
It was weird saying all of this out loud. I'd never really talked to anyone about it before. Other people knew, of course, but it was because they had been in close proximity to the situation, not because I told them. As I talked to Sam, I felt a soreness developing in my throat as I did my best to keep my voice from shaking. It felt wrong to be talking about this at all. It felt like I was betraying my mom and my grandparents who were probably just trying to do the right thing. Mostly, it felt like a betrayal of my sister's privacy. But at the same time, it felt good to say. It felt good to talk about what I was afraid of. Well, Sam said, drumming on the steering wheel, looking up at the sun through his sunglasses, reaching for the radio with his free hand. I guess given what we've seen here, that explains why you aren't eager to go home. I couldn't argue with that. Yeah, I said. He glanced at me. With us, though, nobody can really accuse us of making it up. I mean, the dreams are one thing, but there's actual evidence, too. That was true. Maybe nothing definitive, but... Enough to remind me that this wasn't all in my head. It's funny, though, I said. After all this, I sometimes kind of think I want to be back in Seattle. He nodded. Outside, the trees whizzed by like they couldn't be bothered to hold their ground. I think they wanted to be somewhere else, too. Just like me. You should go, Sam said after a moment. I looked up sharply. It really shouldn't have made me sad to hear him say that. After all, I had just been thinking the same thing. I should leave. I should go home. I should rent a crappy little apartment with a hissing radiator and one brick wall that was constantly oozing some kind of brown liquid. I should absolutely do that. But there were things I loved here, too. People I loved, even. I guess I didn't like that he made it sound so easy. What he said next really surprised me, though. I'm thinking of going, he said. What? Yeah, I don't think I can stay in Burning Rock. So he wasn't so much saying I should just take off already. He was saying we should take off. Not together, of course, not in the sense of the same direction but together in the sense of the same time. He was going, and so could I if I wanted to. I wasn't sure what I thought about that. Leaving would feel kind of like giving up. I had to finish school. Could I transfer? Of course, school wouldn't matter that much if I lost my mind and got sent where my sister went. Maybe I had to leave. Maybe I couldn't afford to stay. After a moment, I asked, Are you really thinking of leaving, or are you just frustrated? He didn't answer right away, and so I doubled down. You're always saying stuff like that, you know. You're always saying you want to leave, always hinting around that there's, what, some kind of anthropomorphized, diabolical heart to this town? This time, he didn't answer at all. 
I've always kind of romanticized the idea of jumping in a car and just driving until the road disappears. It seems like such a carefree thing to do. The reality of the matter is something a little different. You have to go to the bathroom 15 minutes into the trip because you drank too much coffee before you left. You get aggressively tired and stop talking in the first half hour, so you put on a podcast written, voiced, and produced by a guy who lives in Detroit and loves waffles so freaking much. And then you start talking again, only now, two hours have gone by. And then you get a text from your friend's mom asking if you can pick up the graduation cake on the way into town. It all works out okay in the end, but... It isn't quite like the movies. We took our time getting to Seattle, stopping for snacks, gas, occasionally driving a few miles off the road just to explore a town we hadn't been to before. I should have let this road trip serve its intended purpose. I should have let myself calm down and forget about the teleportation incident and not worry about what exactly was going on with me. I should have let the breeze and all the songs that had raised me wash away the anxiety. Instead, I found new anxieties building upon the old ones. I thought about closing my eyes and trying to get a little bit of a nap, but sleep was exactly the thing that got me in trouble last time. I didn't want to teleport and wake up somewhere random. I didn't even know what would happen if I teleported while we were already in motion. Everything was one big nightmare right now. If I wasn't even safe to fall asleep, I wasn't sure what to think. So instead, I listened to all the retro music, wondered about the future, and watched the road drift by. We arrived in Seattle an hour before the party and headed straight to the bakery. Sam's mom had given us very clear instructions about what bakery we were going to and what to expect when we got there, so there wasn't much to worry about in that department. The outside of the bakery immediately reminded me of everything I like about Seattle. The building itself was beautiful, painted black and red, blocky with gaping windows and lights strung up between them. Ivy partially covered the lights, I wanted to wrap myself up in their parchment and live at this bakery. Some kind of quiet punk CD played as we stepped into the bakery. You aren't really supposed to play punk music quietly, but I suppose I could let that go. I could hear someone steaming milk for espresso in the back, though that part of the kitchen was hidden behind the stainless steel accent wall. Moon-shaped lights hung above each table, casting the surface below them with a map of the moon's craters and mountains. The wall overlooking the marina was all glass, so that we had a clear view of the boats coming and going. A young woman with soft pink hair stepped up behind the counter. She leaned over and smiled at us from behind big blue glasses. What can I get started for you? She said. Here to pick up a cake, Sam said with a smile. My condolences, she said. Excuse me? The cake. Does it say my condolences? Oh, no. Ah, crap. I was hoping you were the my condolences people. I mean, especially given her expression. She pointed at me, and I tried not to take that personally, but 
I also refuse to respond in any way. It's a graduation cake, Sam said. He was squinting up at the menu. Also, a cookies and cream waffle, please. That sounded appropriately diabetic for someone who worked in an ice cream shop. He offered me a waffle on his mother, and I ordered a breakfast sandwich waffle. Sausage, bacon, egg, maple syrup, all sandwiched between two Belgian waffles. We sat down to wait for our food. Something about sitting there face to face after a whole day in the car brought this morning's events back into crystal clear focus. Still, I didn't say anything more about it. A few minutes later, the woman appeared at the counter again, this time carrying our waffles. We went up to the counter to grab them. Thanks, Sam said. He started to turn around, then seemed to think better of it. Hey, do you own this place? He asked. What if I do? She said, though it was more fake aggressive than real aggressive. I might want a job. Are you hiring? She evaluated him for a moment, like she was trying to decide if he was serious or not. I get it. I was kind of trying to decide if he was serious or not. Then she reached under the counter and pulled out a piece of paper. We're always hiring, she said. My business card is on there, too. Sam returned to our table, already reading the form she had handed him. He pulled a pen out of his pocket and took a bite of his waffle as if to determine whether the food was good enough to justify moving to Seattle and working here. He must have been happy with it because he started filling in the paperwork. It all felt sudden, but I guess it wasn't. He had been talking about leaving since I met him. Still, watching the pen scratch across the paper brought it all into light and made it seem real. I took a bite of my waffle and then pointed at him with my fork. So, imagine for a second you get this job. Are you just going to pick up and leave immediately? I asked. He nodded without looking up. Yeah, he said. Don't you... Aren't you even curious about what's going on in Burning Rock? I asked. I missed Seattle, but somehow I wasn't sure I could really leave without solving the mystery that was Burning Rock. If I did that, I would never find out what was going on, and I didn't know if I could live with those unanswered questions for the rest of my life. Look, he said, I just know that in movies, 100 times out of 100... The people would have been better if they had just picked up and taken off at the first sign of trouble. I guess I couldn't really argue with that, and my waffle was pretty good. The outside was crisp and caramelized, while the inside was tender and yeasty like fresh bread. The toppings were good, but they were beside the point. It would have been good plain. Maybe this waffle was worth moving across the state. Sam filled out the application and turned it in before we left. And while, at first, I assumed he was doing it as more of a gut reaction, I was beginning to realize I didn't know him as well as I thought I did. Maybe this really was how he lived his life. And maybe he was right to live it that way. October 2007 
At a certain point, the graduation parties seriously slow down. All of your friends and younger siblings are long done with school and none of them have kids of their own yet. I think you get a short reprieve from all types of parties during certain periods of your life. I have to believe that you probably get a break from weddings. Every once in a while though, I think back to that graduation party and I think that it wasn't half bad. Or at least it was normal and I miss normal. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon. <laughs>